I'm Madison Lunds from the University of Sydney on Gadigal land. This is Making a Difference, a Junction Journalism production. In this episode of Making a Difference, we explore relationships and rituals between relatives and friends, from ancient festivals all the way through to supermarket shopping. From Sydney, Iris Ewan explores Chinese cultural traditions changed by distance and new generations through a conversation with her brother in New York. This is Paper Money. Testing, testing. Testing, testing. You started? Yep. Okay. I'll count down from three and then after one we clap, right? Three, two, one. Okay. Is it okay if I eat? <laughs> yeah, it's okay if you eat. I mean, just. I'll keep it to a minimum, but. Um, don't. This mango roshi is real good. I'm Iris, and that's my older brother, Nick. He'd called me a few weeks ago from New York, where he's working as a product designer. It was the day after Ting Ming's it, and Mum had called me an hour before to remind me of the date. Not that I could really have done any of the things we normally do. Ting Mingzit in English translates roughly to the Tomb Sweeping Festival, though it's less of a festival and more of a date for commemorating and remembering our loved ones. For the last decade, I'd been living in Hong Kong, just a train trip away from my extended family in Guangzhou, where we'd been able to observe the date with all the proper traditions. But now neither myself nor my brother are there, oceans apart from each other and our parents. He suggested then that Maybe we should keep a kind of record of these more obscure traditions. It's not a festival that many Chinese overseas keep up. It's not a public holiday here, and it's not a particularly festive occasion. But maybe it's still worth holding on to. I feel like... It took on a different tone after grandma died. Tomb Sweeping Festival, she died in 2014, I think, or 12. I feel like a lot of those memories for me are almost repressed. Not repressed, but like it was a very serious time. And we saw things during that time we never saw in our lifetimes. In my earliest memory of observing Tingming, the clearest thing was the crowds pressing in on every side. It was April, I think, which meant sweltering heat in the lead-up to summer. As one of the younger children, I'd been assigned to holding the least breakable offerings, paper money. I remember my sweaty hands as I gripped the flimsy plastic bag, trailing after my mother through the throng of other mourners. I remember thinking, it must have been so uncomfortable for my grandmother to spend the whole year in such a cramped space, surrounded on all sides by the ashes of strangers. And so as we set her ashes down, and those of my great-grandparents, onto the table we'd claimed in the designated memorial site, all I could think was what a relief it must have been for her to finally, finally see the sky again. Our offerings were standard. A bowl of rice, a cup of wine, a roasted boar, or pig. I was never sure which was which. And then the rites. 
I remember stepping up to the stone tablets with my ancestors' names carved and painted over in a bright bloody red ink. I bowed three times, incense clasped between my little hands. In Cantonese, we call this Bai Jin. For lack of a better translation, I was praying to my ancestors. And I introduced myself. My name? Yun Hil Kei. I was raised away from your land, but I am your blood, I thought. And this is my offering. You see, that's what the paper money was for. You burn it in a little basin. Folded gold ingots. Fake cash, fake clothes, fake shoes. Once it was a paper iPhone. It turns to ashes. It flakes up into the air, like it's on its way up into the sky, to materialize right in front of the eyes of my ancestors. I'm glad that we held on to this tradition, out of all the others we've left behind. Memory's a fickle thing. There are things that my parents tried to teach us that we just... forgot over time. They spoke to us in Cantonese, my brother and I, when we were toddlers, but it soon grew unfamiliar on our tongues as we used English more and more. It's weird because I have distinct memories of these intense and not too complex, but, you know, fairly complicated to me now, phrases of poetry that I would recite to mom and dad in the mornings. I would know all these words to these Chinese poems and the way that that faded away so quickly within the span of like a few years is so crazy because I remember the feeling of those words coming out of my mouth. And I also remember the words, I remember knowing every single lyric to that one song by Beyond. I don't know what it's called. You you know which one I'm talking about. Yes. It's on my playlist. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I used to remember every single word and I remember it because that's tied to one of my first experiences with music as well. Mm. So that's why I remember that experience and that feeling so much, but I don't remember the actual lyrics anymore. And that's sort of interesting. And when we were talking, we realized we're the ones who pass these things on to the next generation. It's interesting to think about maybe maybe we'll be adding things to these traditions. You know what I mean? Maybe when we tomb sweet with mum and dad, we'll, we'll bring them. We'll, we'll bring mum some. <laughs> we'll bring mum some like high tea stuff. Cause she's bougie. Cause she's bougie. Dad loves a steak. You know. <laughs> do, do you reckon people do cocktails when they do that stuff, or do, do people just keep it strict to tradition? That's always what I always wanted when I was a kid was taking things here. It's like. All of this is a structure. Is it? Is it just a structure? Could you do this all with other things? Well, we don't know because th- for our grandparents, that's what yeah. they had. 
Yeah. So as a diaspora, right, if we keep all these traditions intact in the structure, right, could we then morph and substitute those things with the things that we grew up with? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah, I will love some basic ass furniture in my little cubby for my ashes. But if my kids learn anything, it's good interior design. So they better give me a nice rug. And some nice mid-century modern furniture. And hopefully they'll know me well enough to know that I'm a furniture stop. So if it's not a thon A chair, at least, <laughs> and since it's paper, you could just print shit out. <laughs> or if you really cared about me, then you'd make it little paper models of everything. You know, and that's a very basic requirement. Okay, I don't look if you can't if you can't find a little you know what? No. You can easily 3D print Eames chairs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's got me thinking. I think things are looking up. That was Paper Money from Iris Ewan. And while Iris's family is thinking about designer chairs, Claudia Sabral's mum is after the weekly specials at a certain supermarket chain. Claudia, meanwhile, has been listening to a few too many true crime podcasts. When she decides her mother's interest in bargains borders on obsession, Claudia moves to uncover the facts. Claude, I'm back from Aldi. I got chicken. I thought I'd try this one. It's the split chicken. I thought we can have that one night. I've got this noodle things you like. I did get this special bite. There was heaps of special bites, but I just couldn't carry them all. Oh, I actually got you one. Here, look at these. These slippers. How cute are they? They were only $7.99. Oh, not bad. She gets me random stuff all the time. I swear she is so obsessed with Aldi. It's actually crazy. Honestly, it's not even just my mum. I swear it's become a way of life for, like, so many Australians. Even my friends' parents, uh, other members of my family, they love it. And I know it only came to Australia about 20 years ago, all the way over from Germany, but I just can't grasp how a random supermarket chain from Germany could cause so much hype in a country like Australia. As a neutral Switzerland in this matter, not a religious Aldi fanatic or a hater that refuses to shop there, I cannot, for the life of me, understand why people are so obsessed with this store. So last week I thought, what better place to start than with the people themselves? So I went around to my local community and spoke to a few Aldi fanatics I just love Audi. The quality of the food is always amazing. They always have something new and the prices are always low. I like to shop at Aldi because every week they bring new stuff and it's not expensive too. I love Audi, but what I really love are the special buys. The thing that, you know, gets me a bit excited are those long-weighted lines for the 
best buys or special buys. I recently bought a baby chair there, which was good. Um, and it was pretty much half the price of what you'd get it at any other store. I guess it's clear here that the people love it. And actually, most people that I spoke to, they loved the special buys on Wednesdays and Saturdays where they bring new things every single week. What is it specifically about these special buys that just makes people so eager to shop? I asked Christian, a marketer at OMD. I think what makes the special buys unique for me is that there's not a lot of promotion that goes around these special... It's literally just their catalogue, if you've known. Like, you can look yeah. at it online, but it's really basic. But the fact that they don't promote it too much means that if people want to snag a deal on an item that they've been waiting for, they have to constantly go back to an old deal, like, view the catalogue, right? So I think the special buys is really unique because, for me, I feel it keeps people coming back. Mm. Um, and it also, I guess, broadens their target market, right? It's not just grocery shoppers now, but it could be people looking for a TV or white goods and stuff like that. To delve a bit deeper myself, I joined my mum on her weekly Aldi trip. Store assistant to the registers, please. Should I have oats? Don't get them if you're going to eat it. Nah. Gonna, you know, Honey flavour. Oh, they look. That's their brand. They look at the difference. If you buy Uncle Toby's. <gasps> oh, I didn't even realise. I was looking off. at oats thinking they're Uncle Toby's. You see? They, that's what they do. They make the colour and everything very similar. So you go, oh, it's Uncle Toby. But then when you look at it later. Mum is honestly a guru with this stuff. But don't just listen to her on the little sneaky tactics Aldi uses to suck buyers in. Christian also believes this. I don't know about you, but the campaign that comes to mind when I think of Aldi is the supermarket switch mm. challenge. It's like the one where it's like they show all the Coles branded products and on the right, they show all the Aldi products. Have you seen that oh, before? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've seen those before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think to a consumer, they're like, I can be buying the exact same products mm. at Aldi, but I can be saving all this money. And I think one marketing concept that, that comes to mind, right, when Aldi does this type of thing where they compare their products is something I think is copycat uh, packaging. Uh, so yes. one really good example is, say, like a lint chocolate bar. It's very distinct. It's got that cardboard finish. It's got certain color tones as well. And then when you pop on down to Aldi, right, you've got that exact same product. And what do you see? It's the, that exact same cardboard that exact same, you know, color scheme. And that's really effective in helping build that sense of familiarity, familiarity because it's more or less transferring those associations that consumers have towards lint to this, you know, private label brand that consumers haven't seen before. But because it's so familiar, they just assume, oh, you know, it looks like lint. It must be as good as lint. It must taste just as good, you know? But it's not all sunshine and rainbows over at Aldi. Whilst the store is known for its low prices, I noticed that not everything is at its lowest possible price. Oh, Mum, they have Nutella here. Yeah, yeah, they do, they do. But look, 
I don't buy it from here because, like C, so I can buy that for $8.99 for a one kilo jar at Woolies or Coles when it's on special. And when it's not on special, it's $10. Whereas this is nearly $5, $4.50 for $3.75. So I don't buy it from here because I find it's overpriced. So the stuff, like look at the Vegemite, the stuff that you get from Woolies or Coles, I find is actually cheaper from them than it is here when they have their specials. So when Woolies or Coles have specials for things like you're, Vegemite and Nutella, yeah, you're better off buying it there. You're better off buying it there than yeah, here because. Yeah. Well, even now, like with Nutella, I'd never buy it here because that's a rip-off. It's like a little mini Nutella for five dollars. Yeah, and I can buy a kilo one for ten. So name brand stuff is actually more expensive. Who would have thought? But look, the combination of these positives, like the special buys and the in-store experience, these are the secret to Aldi. And, you know, after this whole investigation of sorts, I actually admire their business plan after I've delved a little bit deeper. They've found their own pocket of the Australian market that they can target to and be really successful in doing so. And... I sort of hate to admit it, but I am wearing the slippers that mum bought me right now. And you know what? They're pretty cosy. That was The Genius of Aldi, Claudia Sabral with a story of bargains and mother-daughter bonding. Next what happens when habits and the familiar are not enough to hold us together. Nicole Alcantara combines fiction with genuine recollections to explore the end of friendship. The group dissolved as fast as it was formed. So like it became, it was like a really intense couple months and then it was nothing. If I knew what would happen, then I would not waste my time because obviously when you make mates, you want to keep them. But at the same time, um, like people just come and go. You have one new voicemail. you have called is not available. Please leave a short message after the tone. Hey Eve, I'm so sorry I missed all your calls. I've just been running around all day. Um, about tomorrow night. I don't think I'll be able to make it. I'm so sorry. I've I've just got so many things due next week and work's been hectic. Let's reschedule sometime soon. Text me when you get this. First, it started off at the start where Joanna came to the old church that we went. And then I told my mom 
if I could go to her. In year two, we became best friends because we were in this class with only four other girls and both our names started with AU because her name was Audrey and my name was Aurea and we were like, wow, this is a sign that we have to be best friends. You know when you're just like in primary school, you just decide based on like such an arbitrary fact and then we called each other Or, <laughs> so we decided that was going to be our thing. <laughs> so. From the first like time we all met as a group, it was really intense. Like we all were sharing everything. Mm. We were very close. Hey, how was dinner with Eve? It was sort of awkward. Awkward? You've been friends for years. How could it be awkward? Yeah, but I don't know. We just sort of ran out of things to say. Which is really weird because we actually haven't seen each other in so long. Maybe you guys have a lot going on in your life right yeah. now. I mean, it's hard to socialise when you go a lot on your mind. Yeah, that sounds right. There's just one thing that happened that I can't get out of my head. So, what's new with you? How's work? Yeah, it's been alright. Matt reckons it's about time I get out of there though, you know? Find something better. I'm sorry, Matt? Who, who's that? Oh my god, how long has it been? Matt's my boyfriend. We've been together for the past, um, six-ish months. How did I not know? I mean, you haven't really been that present recently. Sorry, I'm sorry. That was a lot. What about you? What's, what's new with you? She had always made it clear that she was abandoning her old friends as well in high school. Even like, like with everything, she just jumps, like she just avoids it. Nothing is constant, everything is just in the moment. Um, if you like it, you'll take it. It's a very hedonistic approach and I knew that. Throughout like school, it was very much like an us versus like everyone else. Sometimes one of us would think like, oh, we only needed the other person and the other would be like, no, I do want to make more friends. So they worked on a magazine together at UTS um, and there were some like, you know, diff like differences. She, one of them wanted to do one thing, the other wanted to do another. Anyway, it was complicated. And then they had a whole fight and they're both terrible communicators. Yeah. Joanna was the one and only one I could invite to my birthday. But then, when I turned five, I don't know, she didn't come. Well, I better get going. Mm. Thanks for inviting us over, Dad. It was really lovely to see you guys. Oh, no worries. You know, ever since you moved out, the house has been so quiet. It's nice to have some company in the house. Oh, don't worry with that. We'll, we'll clean it up. Don't be silly. I've still got a bit of time before I have to run off and get back into work. Oh, all right then. I won't complain. <laughs> Say, I was thinking about that friend of yours, Eve. Why don't you invite her family over for the next family dinner? You know, it's been so long since I've seen all of them. I remember when they used to come over every week when you and Eve were in high school. Do you remember that? 
Oh, um, we don't really talk anymore. <laughs> what do you mean? You guys were literally inseparable in high school. Well, I think we just sort of grew apart. We're different people now, you know? We don't have the same conversations as we used to. Well, I'm sure it's just a matter of... It's been months since we last spoke, Dad. It's different now. There's no point trying to fight for it. I think we've both tried and it just... It doesn't work. Not to say that this friendship didn't have, like, the good part. Like, I learned so much from those girls and also just being around them with their confidence and their, like, intelligence and their kindness. Like, I learned so much from them and it was such a beautiful time. I'll, like, always remember that friendship for what, I learned. That's why I'm not really dependent on anyone as a friend. Like, I just, they just come, go, I talk, ask them for notes mostly, but yeah. And if I could not be friends with her, I probably wouldn't in the sense that I neglected a lot of people who were actually, like, good people. I don't know how old she is. I don't know if she moved to a new house. I don't know. I I don't know if she she ever thinks so. I don't know if she'll ever come back ever again. When I have new friends and play with them, they sometimes think of Joanne, the old times we had. She was very different to me in like a lot of aspects, and so. She taught me a lot to like go outside my comfort zone and like I was really shy. From some ways I can understand it because I know her character so well that it's not out of character for her to do this. And I know that she thinks that it's the right way to handle things because that's how she's always done things. And even though it makes me upset to think about it, I still like think about it very fondly and like, yeah, I still love her. I wish them all the best. Yeah. I think, I mean, we're still friends and we're still, but we're just not as close and it's not going to be that proximity again. And that's okay. Hey Eve, I know this is really random, but um, I just wanted to say thank you for everything, you know, these past 15 years. I know we aren't that close anymore, but, um, I can't send this. What the to continue recording, press 2. To cancel, press star. To leave, message deleted. The person you have called is not available. By Nicole Alcantara. This has been Making a Difference, a Junction Journalism production by media and communication students at the University of Sydney. For more stories from Making a Difference, go to our website, junctionjournalism.com. I'm Madison Lanz. Thanks for listening. Listener.